again to Profiles. I'm Charlie Walters. My guest today is Jamie Simonoff. He is the founder and chief inventor at Ring. And more germane to Nantucket watchers, he is also the new owner of the Handlebar Cafe. And we'll be talking about both of those entities in the next 30 or 40 minutes. Jamie, thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for having me, Charlie. I've seen numerous subscriptions of Ring uh, online, including at your website, but I thought I'd best let you uh, describe in two or three sentences what Ring is all about. So Ring is a, has a mission to make neighborhoods safer, and we do it by delivering effective and affordable products and services to our neighbors, which is what we call our customers. And for those of you who think you look familiar, uh, I remember seeing lots of TV ads with you in, in, uh, in those ads. Um, yeah, I was, I, was the, I was the lowest priced actor we could find. So yes, I, I did them for a long time. So you're sort of working for yourself. Yeah, yeah, I, you know. Now, uh, founder, how long ago did you uh, come up with this idea and how did that happen? So it was 2011. Um, I had been a bit of a serial entrepreneur, which means I just kept failing with very small companies. Um, and so I kind of had, you know, fallen sort of through, like I, I looked at myself as like a snowball going down the hill, just kind of hitting things along the way. And I decided to go to my garage. I had a lot of ideas I wanted to work on. And in 2011, I said, I'm just gonna go to my garage and I'm gonna just start working on like a, a bunch of different ideas that I had. And it was in the garage that I couldn't hear the doorbell. And so Ring was not actually, which DoorBot was the thing I actually sort of started building at the time, but it wasn't supposed to be the thing I was working on as an invention. It was just to solve my problem of being in the garage and not being able to hear the doorbell. And I just kept thinking, why wouldn't the doorbell go to my phone? I had this new iPhone. Um, this is 2011, so it's you know 10 years ago when the iPhone was kind of newer. And it was like, why wouldn't you be able, you know, why can't you see yourself like, can you talk on this? You credit your wife uh, with having something to do with this. Uh, tell us about that. So I built, I mean, I built, so I built it for my, you know, my own need. And um, it's, it was this horrible looking, I mean, I literally soldered things together and it was this terrible thing that I strapped basically on the front of the house. And instead of her taking a baseball bat to it um, and telling me I can't have this thing on the front of the house, she said that it, she loved it and that it made her feel safer. Like we had gates because we, we lived just right on the street and, you know, someone would come to the door at eight o'clock at night, it was dark and, you know, it was a kind of a nerve wracking thing. Um, and so she loved the security side of it. And that really was the, like the invention was not the doorbell. The invention was building security products that deliver presence and do something different than what was in the market. Uh, it's interesting to hear, by the way, just to step back for a minute. Um, a lot of these tech things do get invented in somebody's garage. That's not a myth, it's not a cliche, it's just, it's just the truth, obviously in your case. So let's, um, just to illustrate what goes on with Ring, um, someone pushes your doorbell, they don't know whether you're on the other side of the door or whether you're in Australia. And they yeah, have no way of finding that out really, do they? No, and that was the initial thing that we were different about as a security product, was we were delivering something that delivered presence. And it turned out that presence, so when you go to someone's home and you feel like there's someone there, that that in itself is a huge reduction, it's a reducer of crime. Because when, when people think there's people home and there's more people home in a neighborhood, that sort of, in essence, pushes the, this, a lot of the crime that happens in neighborhoods out, which is crimes of opportunity. Uh, most crime in neighborhoods is two homes that are not 
that no one's in that are vacant and they're usually during the day. It's not enough just to have a good idea. You've got to have a way of presenting it to people and, and getting the word out. Uh, talk about that. So we, you know, it's, 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 you're absolutely right. I always say there's, there's lots of great products that have, lots of better products than ours that have failed. Um, and we were very fortunate. I mean, we worked very hard in lots of things, but one of the things that's fortunate was to get on Shark Tank early on, um, which gave us a huge boost of credibility and awareness, um, you know, going on that show. Now, the ring of today is not exactly the same as the ring of, of 2011. Um, two questions about that. First of all, tell us a bit about those, those aspects of the company, but also how many of those were you on to 10 years ago? In terms of the number of products or? Well, in terms of what they were. I mean, did, did you know from the outset that you were going to expand over time into whatever other service you wanted to offer or does this come with, um, with time as the longer you're, so, you're doing so. The, 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 I'll say like the lucky thing, and uh, obviously we, I worked hard and did it, so it's not just luck, but um, you know, when I said my, my wife saying that it made her feel safer and my sort of me recognizing that and creating this mission around making neighborhoods safer, that was initially, like we, I had that initially for the business. So I had this product, so the product certainly, like the, the line of products that Ring has has evolved over time. But what the company set out to do has not changed at all from 2011 till today. Um, everything we do is around this concept of making your neighborhood and, and again, making starting with your front door, going around your home and then your neighborhood, but making all of that uh, safer. So we actually stayed very true to our, I'll say, corporate goal uh, and our mission uh, the entire time. We have definitely evolved. We have um, a neighborhood uh, app called Neighbors, which you can see and talk to who's around you. Like we have lot, lots of things we've built um, that are not even physical products, but services. I'm glad you mentioned Neighbors app because I wanted to, to ask you more about that. This is another video messaging service, isn't it? This is another um, option for... Yeah, it, and it's really a, it, it's supposed to be a very focused app for people to share what's happening in the neighborhood with each other um, around sort of, uh, around safety. Um, so it has to do with, uh, you know, crime is obviously one of those lost pets is a big one for us. Um, even like short, like finding kids and, and that kind of stuff. So it's really kind of around like just sort of the overall, um, neighborhood safety area. Cause there's lots of other social network things out there, but they're more broad. We wanted one that was just very clean and concise and focused. Now you sold to Amazon how long ago? Uh, like almost exactly, I mean, it may even be to the, maybe to the day even three years ago. Now, at that point, you had been working on Ring, uh, founding Ring um, for several years. How difficult was it to give up the reins of the company you had started and developed to somebody else? So again, as a, as a company that had a mission to make neighborhoods safer, I always told my team, I will do, I will always make decisions towards our mission. So I will always make decisions that favor the mission of the company. And when Amazon, and we had been working with Amazon a little bit, we had been gaining sort of trust with them. They've been gaining trust with us. And when they said, you know, we would like to do this, I look at it, the analogy to me is someone saying that, you know, like a, a, a you know, a scout seeing your child 
played basketball and saying, hey, we'd like your child to come to Stanford on a full ride. Um, to me, Amazon coming and saying, hey, we want to bring this in and we want to help it be better um, was almost like, you know, my child sort of going to Stanford. And so I'm just like here to foster it and help it. So it wasn't actually difficult because I didn't feel like I was giving it up. I felt like I was helping it to get to that next place and become a multi-generational brand and really have more impact. I was thinking about what your answer might be when I was putting that question together. And I, I drew an analogy between uh, what you've done and uh, let's say a painter or a sculptor. I, I've always thought that if I were a painter, I couldn't possibly sell something that, that I was doing and yet all painters do. So is that a, an apt analogy or am I going overboard? probably is because I think a painter might get, I, I, I can't, by the way, I'm like, I couldn't draw a, a stick figure of a human. So like, I am not a, even close to being a painter, but I would imagine that a painter, some of the pride is where their art hangs. So to my thing is like, did, I wouldn't have wanted to sell ring to some company that wouldn't have fostered the mission or that I couldn't have stayed at or done, you know, but I think, you know, if your art hangs in the Louvre, like, or in the most amazing place, I think that's the pride, like, that's what you want is for people to see it and enjoy it and to, it to be somewhere special. And for me, I think Ring being able to become something more special and, and I'm still a part of it. I mean, I'm still, you know, three years now in, I mean, it's my daily thing that I continue to do. And, and I just, I can do it at a bigger scale now with a better group, you know, around me. We touched on this a few minutes ago, but I want to pursue it. Obviously, you have a very big tech side to your brain, but you also have a business education, which I'm assuming was a huge help to what, what you were doing otherwise. But um, would you have had this kind of success lacking one of those two things? Was this a matter of both of those things having to be there to succeed? I think I think success, success more comes from knowing what you are good at and then surrounding yourself with people that are better at those things that you're not that good at than the actual things that you are. So I think it's more about recognizing what you can do. Um, and I am, I mean, one of, like I, I, like I always say, like I, I don't have a lot of skills. Like there's a lot, I can't draw. I mean, there's lots of things I can't do. Um, but I certainly, I am good at coming up with a product, understanding sort of the macro technology around it and actually getting it out. Because lots of people invent, you know, I, I'm sure you, I mean, we've all run into these people that say, oh, I thought of that, or I did this, or, you know, and it's like, but they never got it out. And so it's, it's like one thing to invent something and think about it and know technology. It's another one, as you said, to get it sort of to, in someone's hand. And I think I am good at like sort of that connective tissue between the two. At the top of the show, I described you as not just the founder, but also the chief inventor at Ring. So you're, you are still connected to Ring, yeah. but I'm gonna assume that a lot of the things you used to do, you don't have to do anymore. So you can spend more time on the tech side of this whole thing. Talk about that. And that's, that's exactly right. Um, you know, when I was, when it was an independent company, I had to, even if I wasn't good at something, sometimes you have to do things just because you have to. Like, and raising money, not something I'm great at. Um, I mean, I was good enough at it, but it wasn't something I enjoyed. It was, you know, it wasn't something that helped the business. It was something that the business needed. And I spent probably 30, 40% of my time, if I looked at it back when I was running, when I was running independently on just on that. Today, 
zero time. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm part of a very large organization. We have a budget, but I, I don't have to sort of go and raise money. So I've been, I have been able to put, you know, probably 90% of my focus today is on invention, building products for our neighbors, um, you know, trying to sort of come up with what's next, pushing that. And so it is actually a very, for me, almost also more enjoyable place to be. How many employees do you have? Uh, We're a thousand. Um, And how many were there when you started out in the first few years? I mean, it was uh, in the garage was me and two kids that were just out of college who are both, by the way, still with us today and have done amazing, you know, have done amazing things at Ring and are leading areas at Ring. And so that's been fun. But it was literally to start, it was myself and two kids in the garage. Now, the pandemic has affected everybody in you know, myriad ways, but how has it affected Ring? So, I mean, it, certainly the pandemic has been, you know, I mean, just the, the toll of human life. I mean, in the U.S. alone of half a million people is, you know, sort of unbelievable. Um, you know, it's been, um, I'd say, very tough on our team. I mean, like, you know, their families have been affected, uh, obviously, by it. It's been, you know, we've went from having offices to not having offices, like kind of from one week to the next and then never went back. Um, You know, on the plus side, I think we've been able to build, our products have been beneficial to our customers during this time. And I think that's something that we've gained a little energy from, I'll say, of knowing that we're doing things that are helping, whether it's people are now home and getting deliveries and all like, and being able to see that and use it for that. Uh, the neighbors app just recently in the uh, when Texas had this uh, power outage, uh, the neighbors app was used and critical and neighbors talking and getting food to each other and things. And so I think we've been somewhat energized at how we can help during a difficult time. Uh, but certainly, I mean, it's, it has been you know hard for everyone. I'm going to ask a question you may not be able to answer, but um, what, what new things are you developing right now that you can talk about in public? Um, I can't, I mean, the, the, we've actually announced some of our newer things and, and areas, and two of them are, uh, one is the drone. Uh, so we built a, um, a it, it basically the, the idea is that it's an indoor camera that can be, so you, in essence, in your house, you can have an indoor camera everywhere um, that you want it to be, but it only is there when you need it there. And it's sort of very privacy focused because it's loud and it flies there. And so it's meant to be when you're out of the house, if you want to see something that's happening in your bedroom or in the kitchen that you can have sort of a camera on that at any time. And so that autonomous drone uh, we announced at the end of last year, we'll be coming out with it this year. Um, and that's been a big product for us. The other one is, is bringing automotive into our, we'll call it our neighborhood. Um, we realized that cars are a big part of the neighborhood. They're a big part of people's lives. Um, a lot of the things that happen to cars happen in front of the house or in the neighborhood. And so we're adding some products around that uh, to be able to, from like a low cost little car alarm dongle that goes into a sort of a, a, a sort of a, a, um, like a driver cam that also hooks up to be like a ring camera in your car. Fascinating. The idea of having a, a camera in every room without having a camera in every room uh, Looks like what you just said. It's one of those ideas that, you know, why didn't somebody come up with this before? Uh, and you, you have come up with it, so that's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, let's talk more about your personal background before we get to Nantucket. Where did you grow up, et cetera, et cetera? 
So I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, North, I mean, for people actually probably know uh, Northern Jersey in Chester uh, near Marstown. Um, so I, I grew up there. My parents had never left the United States. So we were a pretty insular group uh, in New Jersey um, and you know, lived there until I went to college uh, to Babson in, uh, in Wellesley in, in Boston. Um, so I was there for a long time. And how did you hear about Nantucket? So I first heard about it when I was in Babson, uh, I went over for a day to Nantucket with a, a friend who was going over there or something. And I, you know, I'd say I'd heard of Nantucket. I never knew what it was or anything. And I, I went over there and I remember immediately falling in love with it when I got there. And, uh, and someone said to me when I was there, it was like my friend's parents or something. They kind of said like, this is where really successful people summer. And they said it in kind of a way of like, kind of like, you'll never be here, so don't worry about it. And it was like, I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to summer here. Like, I remember this, like, this, this, like, weird sort of, like, like, it became like a goal. Like, this is a, like, I'm, I'm like, no, like, I'm going to do this. Like, I, 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 like, and so it became that. And then when I moved to California, um, I got a girl, I had a girlfriend in California, and I was sort of loved the East Coast. And so we immediately, like, it was summertime, and we decided to go back and my parents were in New Jersey. And so she even said like, let's stay in Nantucket for a weekend or something. And so we kind of fell in love with Nantucket together, um, who's not my wife. Um, and so that was, I don't even know, like 20 years ago or something. And Santa Monica is about as far away from Nantucket as you can be in the lower 48. So the fact that you're still coming here um, means you obviously have a, a big link to the island. Having Having formed Ring, built it up, uh, sold it for a very large amount of money, and I'm not going to ask you about that. Um, why buy the Handlebar Cafe? I mean, I it was it is uh, it's like I, I don't know that like which is a pronoun the is or was because once you own it, I don't know if it still can be your favorite coffee shop because it sounds so self-serving, but it. It was my favorite coffee shop on, on Nantucket. I loved going there. I loved the energy there. I think Jason, who owned it, did a great job of building just a great coffee shop. And I went there every morning that I was in Nantucket. And when I saw the article on the, um, that you know he was having some issues, there was an article in, I think, November um, in the Nantucket Inquirer about the handlebar. And at that same time, the owner of the property I gotten in touch with, and uh, I was actually looking at maybe buying the, the property. And so it all kind of came together to where I realized with Jason that I, I then owned the actual property and that Jason was kind of ending his journey with the handlebar. And I just thought it was such a great community coffee shop that it needed to stay what it was. And so I was fortunate that, you know, and my wife was very excited too, and it's her favorite place. And and so it was like this kind of nice thing that we were able to take it and then keep it as a, you know, I think it is the only year round coffee shop on Nantucket now that fully stays open for the, the full year. Um, and to keep that community space there and keep running it. Jason Bridges once remarked, and please correct me if I don't have this exactly right. He described the Handlebar Cafe as a public meeting place that is disguised as a coffee shop. Is that what he said? Yes, he's, he's, he's told me that. And it was, it was very important for him, the community aspect of it as well. I mean, that, that was always something that he went. And, you know, someone that, again, I've talked about with Ring, with the mission at Ring, 
what attracts me to things is a mission. And our mission at Handlebar is that, I mean, I, I want to deliver the best coffee for sure. And I think we do, I think they do. Um, but the community space, that's the mission of it. That's the important part. That's the part that, you know, we were just back there last week and just listening to people kind of sit down and talking and like, I just, I love it. Uh, your tea is pretty good too, let me add. Yes, I'm not a, I'm not a tea drinker, but yes, the tea, I, I hear the tea is good, so that's good. Um, this gets to the, uh, the, um, the, the idea of a quote, third place unquote. There's home, there's your workspace, and there's whatever you want your third place to be, whether it's the library or, you know, what, whatever it happens to be. And for a lot of people, a coffee shop is that third place. But during a pandemic, that gets tweaked a bit. Um, so tell us about what tweaks Jason and now you have had to do because of the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, the pandemic definitely, I mean, I think that was a, you know, very hard thing. I mean, they were, during the summer, um, you know, I think they were lucky because a lot of the community space of the handlebars actually outside. So they were still able to maintain, you know, the outdoor was a little bit easier during the summer, obviously, and you, I sat there with many friends on the little bench, you know, having a discussion and having a nice coffee this summer. So that was, that was great. The winter obviously is much tougher. Um, we do have indoor seating open right now. I think it's, I want to say, I, I don't know the exact, I think 40% or something is the capacity now in Massachusetts uh, for COVID. But, you know, I, to me, I'm hoping, I, I, I definitely bought it not hoping, I guess, that at some point this will be over and that we'll be back to that normal third place for people in their community space. I think community space post-pandemic is going to become even more important because we've learned work from home. We've gotten a lot of us more flexibility. And so I think having those places to go to do work that are closer to your home or where you're maybe, you know, for the summer somewhere, I think that's going to be really important. Well, my feeling is that when things get back to semi-normal or whatever you want to call it, people are going to be chomping at the bit to get out of the house yeah. and to go back to places they've been to and be able to stay in those places for more than the length of time it takes to grab what you're buying and get out of there. Um, you also have that small area behind the building. I don't know if everybody knows about that or not, but that's a wonderful spot that's kind of invisible as you're going into the building. Yeah, there's a great courtyard. I actually didn't know about it till we bought it. So I had always been there in the summer and just, I think because of that, um, just use the front space. Um, but yeah, that, that courtyard on the back side is, is incredible. Um, and you know, we'll have it, we'll have it go in the summer. So hopefully people will enjoy it. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the way you're set up right now, and when I say now, this is February 25th, you go in one door and you come out another door. Is that correct? Whereas yeah, before that, you, most people I think would be going in and out the same door. Yeah, before you obviously just kind of let people decide how they want to, you know, go in and out. Now we have sort of an in and an ex and an exit, and then we have two tables uh, right now that you can sit at um, that are nicely spread out. Um, and so yeah, we've kind of made the flow a little bit better. We're going to do some tweaks for the summer, and again, no one. I mean, I I certainly don't know what it's. You know, I'm very hopeful that this summer will be much more normal. I don't think it'll be uh, perfect, uh, but I, I'm hoping that we'll sort of be a lot more normal uh, than we have been. And just to clarify, you own the business and the building 
and the land the building is on. Is that correct? I, yeah, I own the whole the whole thing. So, which, which yeah, I think it's good for the long term keeping it going. Um, you know, I don't. We 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 now sort of can ensure that that space will stay what it is, um, at least while I'm sort of shepherding it, which I hope to do for a long time. Now, the as I'm sure you are reminded every day, but I'll remind you one more time. Um, you're very close to the harbor. You're only, what, a block approximately from the harbor. Uh, rising seas, it's on everybody's mind, but especially your mind, because there you are down there. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the land where you are and your neighbors, um, that's Phil, I believe. I, yeah, it could I think be, if yeah. you've been here three or 400 years ago, that would have been a reedy area, sort of like the creeks still are. Yep. Um, how far ahead are you looking on this? Is, is this a constant concern for you? Um, you know, I, I, on things like this, I try not to, um, you know, in, in business, if it was something for ring and, and I, I definitely plan ahead a very long time um, on something like this, I feel like at some point you do have to enjoy your life. You have to sort of you be thankful for what we have today. And today it's dry land with a great coffee shop. And so, you know, I'm happy that it's there. I'm happy we have it. I'm happy it's close to the harbor because I love the harbor um, and like kind of where it's located. And, you know, who knows? It could be a, uh, maybe may, maybe it'll just be a little piece of ocean. I'll keep my, I'll keep a boat there maybe in the future uh, on a mooring ball. So, so it's, it's, it's possible that that's what happens. You know, I, I, who knows? I mean, well, nobody does really, but yeah. you know, it's something we're all thinking about. Yep. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to do this interview was because of the contrast between Ring, high tech, thousand people, you're on the West Coast, and contrast that with the Handlebar Cafe, very small, uh, still on a coast, but a, an entirely different kind of a coast. Ring would have obviously a corporate atmosphere maybe not as much as say General Motors would, but it would still have a kind of corporate atmosphere. Handlebar Cafe obviously does not. Um, both businesses, but both very different businesses. And I'm wondering about the, the difference in mindset you have to bring to, uh, to the two businesses. Actually, I think they're more similar than you think. Um, Ring, if you came to our offices, you might say they're pretty close to what the handlebar is in terms of like, it's a it's a space that was kind of, we kind of built ourselves. I did the landscaping at, at, at our current office, which, you know, we're not in right now. Um, and so I, I think it did, it does have that. Ring has always been a, um, almost I'll call it a family business. We've always, we've always dug deep and, and, and sort of been true to this sort of spirit and, and into the business of it and not been a big corporate sort of a behemoth, which, Amazon is actually at the size also has a lot of that spirit to it, which is interesting and why we've enjoyed being there. Um, and then with the handlebar, I, I, I mean, I, I think again, it's the same thing. Like it's, it's, it's success is about, so in ring, I say that someone buys a ring because we're, we, we are being rewarded when they buy a ring because they know we're going to make their home and their neighborhood safer. And I think at handlebar, it's, it's very similar. If we make a great cup of coffee, a great tea, deliver a great space that, that people are happy in, we get rewarded with them buying one of our drinks. And so I think if you take that customer first approach and that mission of there, it's the mission of community space with Ring, it's the mission of making neighborhoods safer. I think we can be successful. And I'm not, 
I've never, I never got into Ring because I thought I was going to be super rich. I, I, I love Ring because I love what it did and I love Handlebar because of what it does. And I think in my mind, which maybe is a, maybe doesn't really, you know, it's not as good for making money, but I, I love doing things. I love accomplishing things and it's fun to be able to see them physically, so. I'm curious what your colleagues at Ring and your colleagues at Amazon thought when they found out you were buying a small coffee shop 3,000 miles away. Uh, you know, I think my, my boss kind of just shook his head and said, that's great, you know, like whatever makes you happy. Um, you know, I, I think they also know though, I, I kind of, to me, it's like my golf. You know, some people want to spend their weekend doing golf. I'm so excited that now in the morning in Nantucket, I'll have something to do that I can go and make some lattes and run the cash register for a few hours. Like, I love that I can, like, I, that's, that, that's my golf to me. Like, I love doing that. I love seeing different businesses. I love interacting with people. Like, I love that. Uh, you mentioned your boss. Um, I have no idea what the hierarchy is out there, but are you, um, do you report to Jeff Bezos? I, I reports are one down. So Dave Limp is my boss who runs all the device group, which is, you know, Fire TV, Alexa, um, the tablet business. There's a couple other things that he runs. And so I report into him and then uh, he reports to Jeff. How often do you have staff meetings at Ring? Uh, so I actually, so I see my, what I do that I'm good at, what I'm not good at. Um, I don't think I've ever run a staff meeting at Ring. I, I know I've never done one myself. Um, there is now, we have a great COO, Betsy, and uh, I hear she does a staff meeting, but it's not, that's not the side of the business that I'm focused on. So I don't focus on the sort of that day-to-day -day operations of the business. Uh, what about Handlebar? Handlebar, you, so Yulia, who's our manager there, which I, I hope people go down and say, say hi to Yulia. Um, I probably talk to her every few days, um, definitely at least on an email or a text. Um, I get the report every day of, of the coffee. And so I, I, I do like to see how we're kind of, how we're doing, how we're trending. And um, yeah, we're trying to, I mean, we just sort of, we just took it over. So we're kind of January, February. So this is, as you know, from a Nantucket side, this is sort of your lowest month. So we're trying to sort of get our feet firm and, and, and figure it out as we sort of then ramp up um, as more and more people get on the island. Well, this time of the year, you have not just the off season, but you also have a pandemic. I'm just curious how much your staff increases uh, during the summertime. Um, so from what I can see, it's like, you know, six, five to six times um, is the difference. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big, pretty extreme. But, the, you know, the, the, amazing, the handlebar is doing pretty well right now. I have, like, I, I, it, it seems that Nantucket is, is I'll say, still feels busier, you know, even with the pandemic this winter than past winters. Um, so it, it, it definitely, the, the numbers are, uh, you know, fairly good. Um, obviously it's, again, it's still the winter. It's not, you know, um, going crazy, but I, I, I do hope, I mean, it looks positive in direction. Well, now handlebar in a, in a, to a certain extent bridges the gap between a takeout place and a place where you can sit down. I, I know when I've gone in there to sit down, um, there may be an empty table or two, even in the summertime, but the number of people who come in, get the cup of coffee yeah. and take off is much, much bigger. So you've got, in a way you've got the best of both worlds. Yeah. So you, you've, the, the pandemic hasn't affected you as much as a place that's more oriented towards sit down. Correct, yeah. We've, 
hundred percent. I mean, the, the places for sure that had more sit down, I'd say like a um, Black Eyed Susan's um, where it was small, relied on sort of fast turnover, a packed restaurant. Um, I feel, I'm, I'm sure that they must've been really hit from it. Um, whereas our, you know, ourselves, like people are walking around town with a cup of coffee. So yes, they stop in to get the cup of coffee and most of them want to act, a lot of them want to walk around. Anybody on Nantucket knows that seasonal businesses with emphasis on seasonal um, determine what happens to the island's economy. But I'm wondering how your hours change. What are your hours now in February as opposed to let's say August? So right now I think we're 7.30 a.m. to 2 or 3 p.m. I think Yulia is keeping it open. Um, we are gonna have to, we're, we're gonna kind of figure it out. I do think this, you know, the, you've seen the real estate on Nantucket was not a record high. It was like a double record high last year. Um, and so I, I, I do wonder this summer if just, it's gonna be interesting to see Nantucket this summer and just does it have any changes in sort of how the shops need to run? Are people out later in Main Street? Are they out, you know, going back to their houses earlier? So I think with the pan, between the pandemic and the real estate change in Nantucket, which we definitely have a lot of new people coming to the island, whether they were people that maybe rented before, but now want to stay longer, but for sure something's happened there. I mean, the real estate has, has changed significantly over the last year. And so it's gonna be interesting to see how that does. And yeah, we'll kind of adjust our hours obviously based on serving the community. In the time we have left, tell us a bit more about how you envision the future. Are there changes you know you wanna make now? Um, again, if you wanna talk about them, you yeah. may not. But um, what, what sorts of changes are you thinking of? So I, I definitely, you know, I, I, I would look at um, with the building, I, you know, I do want to look at, and then, you know, as you know, Nantucket with the historical district and everything else, it's not like you can just do a clean sheet of paper and say, hey, this is what I want. Um, but I would, if we could, like to build a bigger internal area. You know, it is small, the sitting area inside. We are a year round cafe. So I'd love if we could have more tables inside, especially a lot of the year rounders are the community we're serving. Like you said, there's a lot of people that walk in and walk out. Um, I think a lot of the year rounders, especially like when I was just there, um, you know, a lot of people were sitting in and having conversations and talking about things. And so I'd like to, if we could make that space bigger uh, inside would be great. And so I think, but, but, you know, my success, and this is what I told Jason when I bought it, you know, my, my barometer for success is that in 10 years, I would love someone who was a huge fan of the handlebar before to tell me that it either feels exactly the same, you know, even if we've changed some things or, or maybe slightly better, but I don't want to, I don't feel like we need to uh, redo it. I don't think it has to be the new handlebar. I, I, I really love the energy, the spirit, everything that Jason had sort of built. And so I do look at myself as shepherding his vision and mission and, and his thing. And, you know, obviously I'm trying to make it better but not changing it. The same, but different as, as, they, as they say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, um, I didn't realize this until I was researching the show, but what you see is what you get. That lot is basically the building. Now that obviously restricts what you can and can't do in, in the lot, but uh, is there a basement in that building? There's no basement. And I don't think because of what you had talked about with the level, the water level, I don't think you could yeah. put a basement um, in that building. So we'll have to see kind of, there is a little bit of lot back. It's, it's, 
it's not as constrained, but, but you're right. And the other thing I do want to maintain is it's a unique building in downtown where it has a buffer between the street and the entrance. You know, it's, yes. it's, it's got a little bit of a courtyard and that, as you know, is just, it's just not something you see a lot of, I mean, there's a few buildings like that, but not a lot of, most of them are right on the street. And yes. so I do like that buffer space you get. And so I wouldn't want to just sort of cover the entire property because I think that's part of the, the charm or the energy of it is something about walking off the street and into it that has that sort of that feel. Uh, is there a second floor to that building? There is a second floor. It's kind of in the, you can see the stairs when you kind of go in. It's kind of like the backside is the second floor. And it's got like a, I think they might've been had desks up there and maybe there's a couple of people renting them or something. We've just been using it as storage this winter, so. Last question. Yes. Uh, given that we used to see you in the ring commercials, might we come into the handlebar this summer and see you behind the counter serving coffee and tea? I was, I was, I was there, you know, last week uh, serving my son, who's uh, 12, uh, was running the cash register, Oliver. Um, my wife, uh, she was not with us on that trip. It was, it was our, it was our guys trip. So it was just the two of us. Um, but I think you, I, I plan on definitely being in there quite a bit serving and, and doing it. I mean, I wouldn't say I'd be a full-time team member, but I would love to be there in the morning, sometimes helping out and um, I really, I, I enjoy it. I enjoyed making the coffees and, and sort of being there. And, and again, it's a nice social way of doing business. You talk to each customer, you know, I mean, one thing I don't necessarily get to do at Ring and my, my emails on every box. So I actually try to talk to a lot of customers, but I don't get to talk to every customer. I don't get to sort of have that personal interaction. So it's, it's fun to do that. Well, I'm glad to hear that. There's something very refreshing about knowing that the boss will also uh, hang around with, with everybody else. Not just a I, and again, I, I, I would like, Yulia, I'd say, is the boss, and she's, she's really running it. I'd like to say I'm, I'm part of the team that's there, and so I, I want to be a good team member to the, to the handlebar. So, Jamie Simonoff, thank you for doing this. This is great to hear about. Uh, I wish you the best of luck, not just with the ring, but also with the handlebar. Right, and I'll, uh, hopefully the next time I'm in there, you'll be behind the counter. I hope I am. Thanks, Charlie. <laughs> Thanks again. For Profiles, I'm Charlie Walters. Thank you for tuning in. Please tune in again.